0: And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seafoot and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. As we get into the summer season and we're finally allowed to go on holidays, I thought it's the perfect chance to showcase some of my favourite authors of the moment. They've all got new novels out there, authors including Adele Parks, Tim Weaver, Amanda Prowse and my guests this week. Now, I love a book. Every single night I read a book. One hour in the bath. Just me, a book and Magic FM and I am in heaven. And my book that I'm going to be showcasing for you in this episode, you're going to absolutely love. It's by an author called B.A. Paris, who's released a couple of books, but The Therapist is my favourite. It tells a story of how Alice joins a neighbourhood and ends up trying to solve a murder. With more twists and turns than a rollercoaster at Thorpe Park, I'm delighted to say that B.A. joins me now to dissect the ride that you'll go on during the book. Without further ado, please welcome to Security B.A. Paris. Hello, B.A.
1: Hey Johnny, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. I'm delighted to be able to talk about uh, The
0: Therapist. Oh well honestly it was one of the best books I've read in such a long time. Normally it takes me about eight days to read a book. This one took me five.
1: Gosh that's great. Thank you. I'm so pleased.
0: Well because you've got so much going on in there and we're going to go through the book but because we're going to talk about insecurities I want to look at the insecurity when it comes to a neighbourhood because it's set in the circle which is a gated neighborhood and i just think there's something very special about being part of a neighborhood that that connection to a community that you feel like you're part of something even though you might not have anything in common with any of your other neighbors just because you live on the same road or in the same area it just keeps you feeling like you're part of something
1: yes exactly i think we really do need to feel that sense of community even if it's just saying hello to your neighbors in the road and I was very conscious of this when we moved back to the UK and we moved into a little village and uh, I could see that people knew each other because they'd lived here for 20 years and we were kind of the newcomers. And, you know, it's quite difficult moving into somewhere like that because you want to make friends with people, but you're very aware of the friendships that are already established. So, you know, you you want to tread lightly. And I used that experience for Alice because I just thought this is a girl who has lived out in the countryside all her life and she's not very worldly and she's moved into London and she's very insecure about that already and then she's moved into this community where she sees that everybody she can see the neighbours going to see each other chatting in the road and you know she feels very lonely at first and she's determined to get to know her neighbours.
0: And there's no right moment but there's just like that click where you go i've been accepted and it's usually like through a facebook group or whatsapp group that you've either been added into you find out about but there's something really interesting how a neighborhood has all these different people like you said who know each other and then you join it but when you join a neighborhood you're not instantly part of it you have to earn your place even though you've got a place if that makes sense
1: yes exactly i think that's true you know you have to as i say tread lightly you can't just barge in and you know um I think, I think you have to just wait, feel your way, look at the people around you, see who you think, you, you know, that you could get along with. And we were quite lucky when we moved in because we had work going on in the house. So we were there quite a lot without actually living there. And people used to walk past the house and chat to us. So that's how we got to know people in our community. And, you know, I think you do need, and as you say, these uh, WhatsApp groups, it's quite nice when you're asked to join and when you're put on this WhatsApp group, just as Alice is in the book, as soon as she's on that WhatsApp group, she feels she belongs.
0: Although it's interesting that people don't really know what you do in a WhatsApp group. Do you say, oh, you're in my car park place, can you move? Or have you got a spoonful of flour because I've decided to do some baking? Or can anyone pick up something from the shops? And it's that weird line of, you're not friends, but you're going out as if you are friends in the group.
1: Exactly. And I think people can find these groups very intrusive. I know that I think during lockdown, quite a lot of these WhatsApp groups started in neighbourhoods and... It gave people a real sense that people were going through the same thing as they were. But then I think they became quite intrusive and, you know, people were on it all the time. And and after there's just too much information, you you don't care about bins going out or or whatever. And so I think that can be quite hard.
0: Well, I think it also creates a hierarchy. I have a development that I live in of flats and houses and some people in the development want to take charge and go, right, I'm going to put a film light on during lockdown or I've... I've, um, I've uh, I've arranged for a falafel van to come and do falafel if you want to buy some. And we're like, no, that's all right, thank you. I mean, it's a nice idea. And then you get people complaining like, oh, it's invasive and it's intruding on the development and others going, well, if you're going to put one business there, then we need to put another business there to rival it. And it just gets a bit out of hand with that hierarchy.
1: Yes, exactly. I think it can always be a bit difficult. But that's, you know, human interaction. It is difficult, isn't it? It's always difficult to know if you're doing the right thing or saying the right thing.
0: Well, that's the thing. It comes back to interaction and the fact that they're not your family, they're not your friends, but it's just people to interact with. And it's that thing that you've got something in common with someone. I've got, so where I live in my flats, I've got my flat, above me is a flat, and then above that flat's another flat. Obviously, I'm just talking about how there's different stories in the same flats. But my point of the story is, is that the person who lives above me makes so much noise that me and the guy who lives above her have created this little report so we've got a whatsapp group where we'll just go oh my god it's midnight and she's still laughing or oh my god it's two o'clock in the morning why is she playing music and that's brought us together as a community but we're not friends we're not family it's just the fact that we've got something in common now
1: yes exactly and i think that's important you know i mean of course you know it's great to have your family around you and and your partners or whatever but i think you know you do need that exterior those exterior friendships as well I think it's really important because these people aren't so close to you as your family. And, you know, that's good sometimes. They don't know everything about you. And that's quite nice as well.
0: I think that you're right. There's something about the secrecy because there's that gossip culture when it comes to neighbourhoods. And I love a bit of gossip, obviously. And there's that thing of, oh, I wonder what number two's doing. Or, oh, the police are outside. Or the fire engines are outside. I wonder what's happened. But because you won't know this because they're not your friends. You've got to kind of do that awkward curtain twitching scene.
1: Mm. and then I think we all imagine things that aren't going on it's probably something quite innocent but then before you know it they're drug dealers or whatever or you know something really fishy is going on and probably it's something quite innocent so there is that kind of Chinese whisper thing where you know you imagine what you think might be going on behind closed doors and it's not that at all
0: A 100% a 100% so let's talk about being behind these closed doors and let's talk about The Therapist so let's start obviously with why you wanted to make this different to your other books because it's a little bit different isn't it?
1: Um, Yes, I mean, it's a psychological thriller, which The Dilemma, my previous book wasn't. And, you know, it's very difficult as an author sometimes, because you just want to write the book that you've got in your head at that point in time. And, you know, if you deviate from what you're known for, it can be quite difficult. And I think if you're a real established author, that's okay. But I think, you know, I only had three psychological thrillers behind me, but I really, really wanted to write The Dilemma. It was a book that was very close to my heart for several reasons. And I wanted to write it. And my editors were very kind and said, "Okay, it's not a psychological thriller, but let's go with it. And, um, you know, the reaction was, I think some people loved it. But of course, some people said, oh, we thought this was a psychological thriller. And so I was really happy to go back to a psychological thriller for the therapist. But the problem is, is coming up with an idea. You know, it's, it's very difficult. The more books you write, the And there's so many psychological thrillers with fantastic twists and just brilliant stories and you're, you know, and you're trying to do something similar because, not similar, I don't mean similar in the idea, but you want to surprise your readers. You know, you want to, it's very difficult because you have to think of new twists all the time. And I think in The Therapist, there are quite a few twists that people haven't got. Um, from the feedback i've had so i'm very pleased about
0: that well that's the thing as an author you end up being pigeonholed into one genre and then the more books you release the more you become the top of the genre and then you've got publishers and publicists who are pushing you to stay in that genre because that's where they can really go you know ba paris is the queen of psychological thrillers and you can't then go from that to saying okay I've released a thriller now I'm going to do a really romantic story like for example one of my other favourite authors Joe Thomas does which are all set in these really nice European countries you can't go from one to the other because now you're building up a fan base of people who like that style of book that you're doing
1: exactly and I think some authors you know they do write other books but then they choose another name they'll do it under a pen name But then, you know, I mean, that was kind of consideration for the dilemma. But then, because I wasn't that, you know, I only had three books under my belt and I was known for those three books. So we just decided to go with BA Paris. So, you know, but I do feel, you know, getting back to this, that it's really hard to be pigeonholed as a psychological thriller writer if that's not what you want to write all the time. You know, I've got ideas for books that aren't psychological thrillers and i just have to keep sidelining them because i know now that that's what people want from me for the moment anyway for the foreseeable future people want psychological thrillers well
0: so. also you're that's riding awesome. so high you're part of and i know this is not going to be really geeky but there's going to be people listening who are massive fans of yours and understand the book publishing world you're part of hq stories as a publishing company which is part of HarperCollins, who look after authors such as adele parks as well and tm logan and uh they like and that for you must go is the equivalent if you're on tv that you're on a bbc one primetime show on radio you've got a radio one or radio two show because you're at the top of your publishing world
1: Yes, being at the top, I don't know whether I'm at the top, there's there's so many that are at the top, there's so many good authors and there's new ones coming up all the time and is trying to just keep your head above water. I feel that's what I'm trying to do, you know, um, just trying to keep up there, uh, you know, and the pressure is quite, is quite great because as I say, there's so many books on the market, so many psychological thrillers and yeah, it's just trying to maintain your position and I think It's particularly difficult when, you know, my first book was a huge success, Behind Closed Doors. And probably if you ask 99% of my readers, they'll say that's their favourite. So, you know, it makes me determined to write another one that will grip people in the same way as Behind Closed Doors. But it's very difficult.
0: 100%, 100%. So let's talk about you as an author. What made you want to, when was that moment you went, right, I want to actually put pen to paper and start writing?
1: I think it was something that was always there since I started reading Enid Blyton when I was young I started when I was seven years old reading I think it was the mountain of adventure the first one and I just could not believe that I could be taken out of where I was and actually think that I was on the mountain and I just thought I want to be able to do this but I always thought that I would write children's stories you know um, I used to make up stories for my children and i used to think one day when I'm older and I've got time I'll write children's stories and actually it was one of my daughters that persuaded me to write a novel and I would never in a million years have thought of writing a novel but she said to me I'm sure you could do it I'm sure you could write a novel and you know I went to bed that night had an idea for a story and I just started writing but they weren't psychological thrillers at all my first books which weren't published
0: and when you did get that published what was that feeling like for you
1: It was incredible i just i just i can still remember you know i wrote behind closed doors i'd had several rejections from other books all the time you know i would just get sorry it's not right for the market and i did actually say to um one agency what is it you're looking for then and they said psychological thrillers and i said i will never write psychological thriller because i wasn't really thinking about genre i was just writing the books that i wanted to write And even when I wrote Behind Closed Doors, I didn't think it, you know, I didn't say, oh, this is a psychological thriller. It was only when my publisher said, oh, this is a great psychological thriller. And I thought crumbs, I've written what I said I'd never write. Um, So, you know, that, and then when it was picked up, I applied to, I had never sent my books to the agency I really wanted, which was Dali Anderson, because I thought they will never look at me, never. And I just decided to take my courage in my hands and send out to Dali Anderson and a couple of others, and it was Darlene Anderson that picked it up, and I've never looked back since. It was just like fate. It was was absolutely wonderful. I'll never forget the moment when I was asked to send the full manuscript, and then when I was told, you know, can we meet you because we really want to take you on as a client. It's just amazing. It's the most amazing feeling in the world.
0: Would you remember that feeling when you'd sent that draft in you sent the first chapter or a synopsis of what the book was to getting that deal where they went right we actually want you for that first book
1: yes i I, i'll never forget that feeling because i'd sent the first three chapters and then my wonderful agent camilla bolton i got an email directly from her and actually she was the agent i wanted but i never sent it to her attention and one day it must have been about maybe six weeks after i sent it off This email came in from her and as soon as I saw that she'd written to me, I thought, oh my God, if she's written to me personally, maybe it's because she's read those chapters and liked them. And it it was. I'll never forget the feeling. It it was just amazing.
0: Oh, I'm so pleased for you. I'm so pleased for you. And then obviously you bring out your first book and then it's Mm -hmm. that difficult second book because... You've worked so hard on the first but you finesse finessed it, finessed it, you know those characters inside and out, it then gets sent away, then it goes to the printers and then publicists will come along a couple of months later and then you start promoting the book and you get that question, well what, when's next, when's the next book coming in? you're like, oh my god I need to get the next book out or you're in a book deal and you're having to give one out every single year. What was that moment like when you went, oh my god I've actually got to do this all over again now?
1: Yes, I think it was when, you know, my publisher wanted to um, publish the book, but wanted to know if I had a second book in me. And, of course, I said, well, of course I have. And they asked for a synopsis, and I just kind of knocked out something quite quickly. Um, And then it was when they said, yeah, this is great. That can be your second book. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now I'm going to have to write this. I'm going to have to build a whole story around this tiny synopsis that I've written. But, um, you know, it was fine. You know, the the breakdown, you know, I enjoyed writing that one because I really like the kind of manipulation that goes on on with that book um but of course you know when you've had a success like behind closed doors everything after falls short you know you never get the same sales you never get the quite the same reaction from your readers they'll say I enjoyed the breakdown but not as much as behind closed doors so that's always quite you know I'm determined one I just would really love to write another book that would have the same effect on readers as behind closed doors but actually I think it was just a a one lucky shot there and i don't think i'll ever do it again i mean i'd love to think i will but uh, as i say it's hard
0: and have you now got into a process now where you understand that format of right done a book onto the next onto the next onto the next and that book happened and now i'm forgetting it and i'm now focused on these new characters who are now my new best friends
1: yes and, and that's quite hard sometimes because you know the therapist um, is only just coming out but i've already written the first draft of my next book and that book is very much in my head but i'm also thinking about the one after so now in my head is book seven and the therapist is book five so yes it is because once it goes out to be published you tend to forget your your head is full of your new characters So that's always quite difficult to come back and talk about old books. But it's fine now because the therapist isn't that old. But when I go abroad sometimes and it's for the breakdown, for example, that's just been published, it's really hard to try and remember even my characters' names and what happens in the book.
0: A hundred percent. And when you take those characters, we're going to obviously come to the therapist in a second and talk all about it, how do you line them up in your head? Or do you print out these characters and kind of create real life, almost 2D versions of them? Because... You're not just writing about one central character. You've got one central character. You've got that character's immediate character's relations, but then you've got all the other outsiders that are also needed just to kind of, not pad it out, but just to add those layers to the main character.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I don't really, you know, I don't have a huge idea of my character in my head. You know, my hardest bit is trying to find a name for my characters. So um, once I've got their name, and then I kind of get a little bit of a physical feel of what they look like, but I don't know all their quirks. I don't know what they're like, and I don't even know always what's going to happen to them. I mean, I have an idea, of course, but I really like the character development that takes place during the writing. And I love it when my characters surprise me or when they turn out to be stronger than I thought they would be, or sometimes weaker. Um, I really like that process. And as you say, you have to have other characters, but I'm always very aware that you can't have too many characters too many other characters because people just get lost with the names and oh god who is she is she the friend of that one so you know i do try and keep it quite closed so there will be my main couple and then there'll be maybe maximum four or five other characters but no more than that
0: that's the thing it's very easy when you are reading a book that you kind of read it like a film or a screenplay and it, you're just naturally tuned in to knowing what everyone stands and that. You focus on the first character and then slowly the second character will come in. And I know that when I've been reading books and you get six characters all at the beginning and you don't know who is who. And I've read certain books uh, and uh, actually a book recently, Ruthless Women by Melanie Blake, did an amazing thing where she had the first page where she wrote down who each character was and what they added to the story and where they fitted in. But you don't always get that. And suddenly you get really so lost in the book that you're like, do you know what? I've got a pile of books. I may as well just go to another one. That's not going to confuse me as much.
1: Yes, that does happen sometimes. I I hit a character and then I think, oh, I know they've been mentioned before, but quite a long time ago and I can't remember. (laughs) You can't remember. (laughs) You're looking backwards in the pages, you know, to try and find out who they are. So, you know, that's something I try, you know, to avoid. But I think that comes with, you know, experience as well.
0: Of course, of course. So let's talk about the therapist. So Alice, we've already established, she comes into this neighbourhood and she's a bit insecure because she's meeting these new people. The big... Plot of the story is that there's a murder that's happened in her house. So why don't you tell us what happens so that I don't end up giving anything away for you?
1: Okay, so um yes, so Alice moves in and she hasn't been in this house very long. I think it's probably only about a week, when she discovers that um a murder took place there 18 months before, which was why the house was cheap. And of course, this is devastating for her, not. Well, because of the murder as well, but because her husband didn't tell her about it, her partner. And um, this is, you know, she just can't believe that he hadn't told her. And the reason he hadn't told her was because he knew she'd freak out. And for him, it wasn't important that somebody had died there. But, you know, I it's because I got this idea because I moved into this old cottage and I knew that people had probably died here because, you know, um, some parts of it are two or three hundred years old. And, you know, that was fine. I was living with their ghosts. I didn't mind that. But then I suddenly wondered, what if somebody had been murdered here? And what if it had been, you know, quite recently? And I actually thought, well, I probably, I wouldn't be able to stay here. So I thought that was quite a good start for my novel because some people would say, Alice is making just a complete fuss about nothing. What does it matter? But I think a lot of people as well would be quite uneasy living somewhere where somebody had been murdered quite recently.
0: Of course, of course. Now, Alice is connected to other people, obviously, including Leo. And Leo is her partner. They're not married. They've been together... Uh, living with each other kind of on weekends for many years, and then they finally decide they're going to actually live together. Why did you decide to do it like that? Because it's not that normal that you see in books, for example, that you've got these two characters who have kind of had a relationship but kind of not. Usually with a book, because it's always got a very clear beginning, middle and end, you kind of just go straight into the relationship deep down. You don't really think about those bits, unless it is that they've come together in two separate worlds and they've come together as one.
1: Mm. Uh, for me, you know, for Alice, she was, I think she was quite lonely, although she says that, you know, she was quite happy with her life, I think she was quite lonely and, you know, when she met Leo, I think it was one of those, you know, meetings, it's just this meeting out of the blue um, he knocked into the back of her car and they just got talking and I think when you meet somebody in that kind of way, you know, you do think it's fate. You think I meant to be with this person because how would I have met him otherwise? You know, it's just a, uh, and I yeah, and I wanted her, this relationship with Leo to be quite a new relationship because I thought, well, if they'd been together for 10 years, he probably wouldn't have lied to her or not lied to her. He kind of doesn't tell her the whole truth. So I felt that, you know, I wanted it to be this relationship where she's finding out things about Leo that she'd never realized before such as how could he not have told me? And then, of course, there's other things in his past that come to light as well. So, you know, I thought that this would only come to light if it was a fairly new relationship.
0: And you made it so well that you're putting together a jigsaw puzzle because you've got all the pieces to try and solve what is this murder and who is responsible for this murder. And every single person is guilty in some shape or form. And even if they didn't actually pull the trigger, they all had their own reasons why they could have killed the main uh, girl, Nina, who does die.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I think, you know, especially, of course, um, Alice is a little bit, she's a little bit paranoid, so she starts suspecting everybody. But I think, you know, which can be annoying, but then I think you would, wouldn't you? You'd start looking, thinking, does she have a motive? Does he have a motive? And in a way, you know, in that community, everybody kind of had a motive for... Well, she maybe invents motives, you know, for most of them, to for a reason why they might have killed Nina. But, you know, I think, you know, she's obviously very suspicious. And because they won't talk about it, because there seems to be... Nobody seems to want to talk about what happened. And I think that's why she becomes very suspicious.
0: Suspicious indeed. And she does become suspicious of every single person in the circle. And again, it goes back to that insecurity about neighbourhoods that you don't ever really know what goes on behind closed doors. It could be anyone. And similarly... For those if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "I don't actually really know my neighbor next door it's the same type of thing, murder or not. you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors.
1: no, exactly, and I think you know that's 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 what's so scary in a way, and you know um, and I think for Alice in this community she you know she sees these lovely young women, she wants to be their friends, but then she thinks, have they got a sight of them that you know I don't know, are these women capable of murder?" Are their husbands capable of murder? And you know, that's quite um that's quite a vulnerable position to be in, I think.
0: Well it does that thing as well. That it makes you vulnerable. You've got all these good looking women who go and do yoga, etc. That you almost read it as if it's going to be a TV drama. So do you write these books in mind of, I wonder if I could sell this into a Netflix and make it a worldwide nonlinear hit, or if I can give it to Channel Five as a three part drama, or do you think I'm an author, I'm literally just writing books for them to be read.
1: Yes, I never think of my books being made into films. I mean, when I'm imagining them in my head, of course my character's moving around like in a film. So, but um, I don't think I'm going to write this and it's going to be a film. I mean, I was just, I'm just really surprised when people say to me, oh, that would make a great film or that would be brilliant, you know, as a film, I'd love to see this on television because it hasn't actually occurred to me that it would be good. Oh well, mm-hmm. the therapist should definitely be a, I think, well, maybe.
0: the therapist should definitely be a TV program, and you do that clever thing which I love that authors are doing. And Amanda Prowse claims she was the first ever one to do it, and Lisa Jewell does it really successfully. You've done it even better than all of them put together. And I obviously say the same thing to them as well. Um, that you look at the past <laughs> before you get in back to the beginning, so you always have two stories intertwining into one big story towards the end, where it all kind of makes sense
1: hmm yeah i think it's very important you know alice can be very annoying i think in my book but you know i want her i wanted her to have this past which would explain why she is acting as she does um so you know i like to cover my bases like that because otherwise if if she hadn't had this past and these connections with the with the name nina um i think she would just be a very annoying character so you know i have to give my characters some kind of past which explains their actions in the present
0: B.A. Paris, your book The Therapist is out now. It is such a good holiday read. Let me just tell you what some of my other favourite authors say. T.M. Logan says a powerful, beautifully crafted story that ratchets up the tension of every page and packs a huge emotional punch. Phoebe Morgan, an incredibly pacey, heart pounding thriller, The Twist at the end, left me reading that twist at the end is insane i'm not going to spoil it for you but honestly you will absolutely love it you've been listening to johnny c for on security and secure if you've liked what you heard please do rate the podcast go on apple itunes leave a five star rating and leave a really nice comment it really helps spread awareness for the podcast and pushes up the itunes chart so that more people know that it's okay to not be okay also we're on instagram security and secure podcast is where you can find me i put previous episode teasers out there every single week for you there are so many episodes out now of security and secure that I I'd love you to listen back to the back catalogue. Whether you like authors, whether you like reality TV, whether you like soap stars, whether you like TV personalities, whether you like real-life stories, spiritual stories, I've got a bit of everything for you to suit whatever mood you're in. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to have more authors on the podcast in the next couple of weeks as well for you. So I really hope you go and buy their books. I always go away on holiday with four books and I read every single one over about two days. When I'm at home, in the bath, one hour, every single night, over eight days, I will read a book as well. I absolutely love reading. I love that desertification. I love the idea that you can switch off from the world, immerse yourself in other characters, not even use your phone for an hour. How amazing does that sound? You've been listening to Scoot and Scoot with me, Johnny Sifa. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. <phone rings>